You're listening to Veg Your Best with vegan life coach, Michelle Olander. Episode 90. Your brain is unbelievable. Hey kids, I did a thing. I did a thing. You know, I told you I drove our car to Florida from Massachusetts in February. Well, this week I drove the car back. And last February, I stopped twice on my way south, Aberdeen, Maryland, and then Florence, South Carolina. Now this time, my plan was to do roughly the same in reverse, and I stopped in Florence, South Carolina. But the next day, I drove the whole rest of the way, all the way from Florence, South Carolina to Rhode Island, where I am right now. And I meant to stop. (laughs) I did. I meant to stop. But the traffic honestly was so bad from about Richmond, Virginia north that I decided I didn't want to stop before New York City and just end up driving during the Friday daytime shoreline exodus. So I kept going. And I left Florence, South Carolina at about 8 a.m. And I arrived at our Rhode Island place a few minutes after midnight. Unbelievable. (laughs) I would never have believed this until last night that I could even do that. It's not something I've ever done. Not even close have I driven that long alone. Not even close. So anyway, last night I got in the house. I brought in my purse, the cooler of frozen food that I took from the Florida freezer, my husband's guitar, which can't be left outside in, I don't know, I guess different kinds of conditions. It needs to be taken special care of. I went upstairs, sat on the bed, and suddenly I woke up fully dressed this morning around 6.30 a.m., utterly refreshed. So I think I fell asleep while taking off my vegan dance-go clogs. So that's what happened. I did a thing. And listen, you people who live in the Metro DC, New York City, I-95 corridor of the United States, Geez Louise, that's tiresome. Oh my gosh. I mean, I know it's like that all the time, but having just recently been reminded, crikey. And that's during a beautiful, clear spring day and not during rush hour, mamma mia. You might want to (laughs) move. I know there's great things there, but that traffic, honest to God. But anyway, as I say, Not stopping for a second night was not my plan. I didn't even believe that it was an option for me to drive all day yesterday. And it was. It was a long drive. And luckily, the car was fine. And luckily, all those other vehicles on the road, just inches from my car, all kept it together. And, you know, while I drove, I listened to about 16 hours of podcasts Just yesterday alone, about 16 hours of podcasts. And I think that I have told you before how much I absolutely love podcasts, how I love the medium. I actually think of podcasts as really the medium that has brought the most 
positive change to my brain. I love the intimacy and the personality of podcasts and that there's so much more individual than TV shows where you're always being distracted by quick cuts and how people look or their hair or their clothes or, you know, the design of the set. And that's why, that's why in a nutshell, I've told you I wanted to start this podcast because I wanted to be able to regularly, once a week, offer encouragement, offer companionship, offer a little support to anyone on their vegan journey. I want to just drop a few sentences in your brain each week that essentially tells you, I know you can do it. Because you know, I didn't think that I could do it either. Not the beginning. I thought I could never commit to a vegan practice until I stopped thinking that. And I thought I could never commit to a weekly podcast until I stopped thinking that. I also thought that I could not drive from South Carolina to Rhode Island by myself in one day. But bit by bit, I've allowed myself to start unbelieving some thoughts. That's what we're talking about today. The process of unbelieving. What comes up for you when I say, have you ever unbelieved something? Have you ever stopped believing something that you used to believe? You know, we have something like 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. They're always popping in. They're always popping out. And a good percentage of them are ones that you actually thought yesterday and the day before and the day before that. And a lot of it is, truth be told, complete nonsense, complete nonsense, or maybe it's a fragment from that cartoon family guy or what you call your sister-in-law behind her back or your childhood phone number or the lyrics to a song that came on the radio, all kinds of thoughts just come through. And just because you've thought something You already know. You don't believe everything you think. You don't have to do anything with everything you think. My coach compares this to the scroll on the news. It's all going down on the bottom. Weather, upcoming TV programming, the show's advertiser or sponsor's name, news bulletins, and your thoughts are the same. They're like that scroll constantly rolling all day long. And we know, we know a bunch of it is super pointless. A lot of it is just mental noise. We don't believe all of it. But from time to time, something, you know, something will come up, something happens. And that thought pops up and we go, oh, oh, look at that. We pull out the thought. We give it some attention and maybe we have some proof for that thought or corroboration. And then that really anchors the thought. It makes it much more sticky, much more difficult to remove. And if we have a new goal, we may not have all that many practice thoughts to support some new idea, some new plan, some new regime. 
We tried it. We started the goal. We chose the goal because we had some, some belief. We had some excitement. We had some dopamine hit of fun energy about the new plan. And we have some exciting new thoughts. And in our community, those new thoughts might be things like, I want to be vegan. I want to cut out all the animal fats. I want to lower my cholesterol. I want to eat in a way that's more sustainable. I want to live in a more ethical way. Or I want to opt out of industrial animal agriculture. But for years, for years, decades maybe, we've been thinking other thoughts, right? Lots of other thoughts. And if you grew up in this culture, in the U.S. or Canada or Europe, even if we didn't totally believe all the thoughts we had about animal products, they were going through our brains. We were told them. We saw them in the ads. Our teachers told them. We did units in in school. We saw the uh, guidelines for the school lunch program. And that we had thoughts like, well, where would you get protein? What would you even eat? Veganism's pretty unusual, and so many vegans look unhealthy. It's very complicated to combine foods healthfully. It takes a lot of willpower. You can't travel. Vegans are awfully political. Vegan food is mostly very weird. It tastes like cardboard. And actually, nobody likes being with vegans because veganism is so restrictive. So even if you and I know, actually intellectually really know that those sentences are just things people have said, jokes people have made, ideas that have been debunked, even if you know that research and science have all kinds of data to support a plant-based diet and a vegan lifestyle, it's hard to get rid of a lot of those thoughts because those thoughts will continue to pop unbidden into our brains. So when we have a hiccup, when we have a problem meal or day or week, when we have trouble finding what it is we want, when we get attitude from a family member or restaurant server, or when no one helps us or remembers our requirements, when no one supports us, well, then suddenly that problem, that challenge, that issue can find some corroboration from those old beliefs. That old scroll that's been rolling in your brain for almost ever. You know, I'm on a, I'm on a bunch of Facebook groups for new vegans and midlife people to try and support them in transitioning to veganism or plant-based foods. And this is a daily occurrence. Someone who has been vegan for a couple of weeks, or maybe even just a few days, well, their face breaks out, or they have eczema, or they feel tired, and suddenly they start posting, oh my God, I'm concerned I'm not getting enough protein. Maybe I'm malnourished. Maybe I have a vitamin deficiency. So I am not making fun. I'm not making fun at all. I am mentioning this because it goes to show how sticky some of those thoughts in our culture are about vegans and eating plant-based. 
for me, when I started, a couple of them came up for me too. Mostly that I was hungry all the time. <laughs> I was feeling hungry a lot and I was a little bit cranky because I was hungry, but I had to learn that I needed to eat a lot more food because volume wise, it takes a lot more food to stay satiated. The caloric density of vegan foods, of plant-based foods is not the same. The caloric density of animal products is much higher. And I've also been socialized as a woman in this uh, Western diet culture, which talks about small small portions and this idea of a high quality protein. And I had been scared off by carbs. So anyway, I was afraid to eat big portions of grains and potatoes. I had to learn to unbelieve. I had to unbelieve. I had to unbelieve that it was going to be too hard and no fun. Sometimes you know, sometimes it is hard being vegan. Did you know it's also sometimes hard not being vegan? <laughs> I always have to remind people, they'll say, oh my God, this is a lot of work. Sometimes it's a lot of work not being vegan. Anytime we do things that are new, sometimes, sometimes it takes a little extra bandwidth. There were unpleasant days, there were bad meals, there were awkward encounters. There were health issues before, right? When we ate the standard American diet. But before I could believe, yes, I can do it. I can commit to this practice of veganism. I can commit to not consuming animals. I had to notice what beliefs I kept defaulting back to. And there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. Um, and some of them took longer to, to change, to get comfortable with than others. Leather is beautiful, okay? Leather is beautiful. That was one for me. Fur is warm. Silk is elegant. Wool is normal. Down and feathers are cozy yet light. Fish is healthy. Cow milk, necessary for bones. Fine cuisine is a mark of sophistication. So I had this mental architecture. I had these thoughts. These were sentences that had scrolled through my brain for years, for decades. And even if I didn't 100% believe these things, they were still there in my brain. So when I had trouble in the beginning committing, it usually indicated, and when I say usually indicated, I mean it always indicated that I had another thought, a competing thought. So how I knew I had a competing thought was I was believing something below the surface, and it was time to try and bring that thought up, to consciously confront it, to dig it up. So if I had the thought, for example... If I had the belief that I want to, I want to avoid using animals, and then I found myself cranky, or kind of wishing I'd never started this, or looking for an excuse to avoid staying with my plan, that would be a sign, right? That would be an indication that I would have to do a little digging, a little 
mental archaeology and see what is the old entrenched belief under there. And I had a million of them. I had a million of them, like animal products are elegant. Food should be easy. I don't want to plan what I eat and buy. I don't want to have to think this much. I want more choices. Animal products are traditional in our culture. People should agree with me or support me. This is no fun, <laughs> okay? Those are some of the thoughts I had to unearth. Fascinating, right? And I talk I talk a lot more about that with my clients one-on-one. -on -one. I help them to start noticing what default practiced beliefs are competing for their attention because clients will always say that they're sabotaging themselves. That's all sabotaging is. It's just that there is a competing thought. Your frontal cortex, your evolved brain, okay, it decided to do something you think would be a great idea, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it could be to limit or eliminate the consumption of animal products, sure. But it doesn't matter what your goal is. It could be to paint or make art or exercise more or declutter your office or organize your taxes or floss. It could be lift weights, redo your resume, rewrite a chapter in your book. Ask me how I know that one. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you aren't doing what you say you want to do, if you aren't doing what you wrote down in your agenda or your calendar that you will do, it doesn't mean you are weak or broken or undisciplined. It just means you have a competing thought. A thought that is, well, telling you something else is more important or more valuable. And it's possible it's possible that underlying thought is, is correct, but it's also possible that you're just unconsciously recycling an old thought that doesn't serve you anymore. The only way to know is to look into it. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's so easy to figure out, easy to notice. Sometimes it really helps, though, to have a coach challenge you, to listen to you, to repeat back your words and say, really? I've done this work and I do this work. And in spite of the word I just used, work, this work has given me more fun. It's given me more lightheartedness. It's given me literally more delight in my day-to-day -day life, in my relationships, and it's not because I've just decided to believe some fairy stories and be positive all the time, but it's because I learned to respect myself. That when I find myself doing things that I don't want to do, or when I find myself not doing things that I do want to do, I know that it always makes sense. I know it always makes sense. It just means I have a competing thought that I'm believing a little more right now. And I have the opportunity to look for that thought, to find that thought, and to unbelieve that thought or practice unbelieving it if I choose. Now, it can be a process. Some thoughts are sticky, and 
It can take a while. It can take practice. It can also be pretty immediate. And it can also be like my drive up to Rhode Island from South Carolina yesterday. My plan was to stop after Baltimore somewhere, but I had the thought that it would be just impossible to drive further, that it would be no fun, that it would be miserable, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So I just kept kept giving myself a little permission to drive just a little bit longer and then decide. Drive a little farther and then think about it. And I stopped at the rest stops and I stretched my legs every couple hours or had a snack. And bit by bit, I stopped believing that it was impossible. I also stopped believing it was miserable. I started to believe, yeah, this is no big deal. It's almost fun. It is fun. This week, in the weekly email, and I, I before I go on, are you signed up for my weekly emails? There's a link in the show notes and on uh, my Instagram profile. You can you can find it easily. You can sign up for the email that comes out every week. I send a short blast with a quote or an idea or something that's going on or a behind the scenes glimpse of my messy mind and my attempts to keep it straight. So this week in the email, I will send you the list of podcasts that I listen to on my drive for 16 hours on Thursday and for about nine hours on Wednesday. And if you would like to see how unbelieving competing thoughts works in your life, it starts with a phone call. You can just follow the links to my calendar or email me, message me, Instagram me. You know, you already know that you don't believe every thought in your head. That's because you already really do know your brain is unbelievable. I never thought that I could be here. I never thought I could be vegan. I never thought I could be having this much fun. I never thought that I would be so excited to be turning 63 in a couple weeks. (laughs) I never thought that we'd be closing in on 100 episodes of Veg Your Best. I never thought I would be working with the most brilliant clients. I never believed any of those things until I stopped believing those things. Okay, kids, I'll see you next week. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.